Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. The most difficult people in your life are your greatest teachers. In this episode, Eckhart says no one person can make us happy because the demand is not only too much, but also an impossible task. He explains falling in love may feel wonderful, the honeymoon starts and everything is beautiful, until the day comes when we discover our partner has issues, or even worse, a very active pain body. He says we might panic thinking, I made a terrible mistake. With his humor, Eckhart explains... What's really happening is the relationship no longer masks the real problem, our underlying anxiety and disconnection. He says, as long as we look for gratification outside ourselves in people, places and things, or what he calls a horizontal dimension, we will always feel like something is missing. He shares that the most difficult people in our lives can become our greatest teachers because they push us to awaken, to step into the vertical or transcendent dimension. You will be challenged by the things of the world. And that could be other people. The most difficult people in your life are your teachers. When you suddenly realize the world is here to challenge me so that I awaken to the deeper dimension of who I am, then you can recognize that especially the difficult people in your life and the biggest challenges, which could be of other kinds too, there can be physical challenges the body, there can be financial challenges, challenges of relationships, challenges of great loss, upheavals uh, on a personal level, upheavals on a collective level that you are part of. We had this pandemic that affected millions and millions of people in different ways, some more severely than others, but challenged everybody. And there are more challenges coming towards us we are moving into turbulent waters collectively. So in addition to your personal challenges, we will have collective challenges. The purpose is the world is here to awaken us. And we awaken us by taking us out of our comfort zone. Because in your comfort zone, which is fine when sometimes you have periods of in your life when you are in your comfort zone and enjoy it while it lasts. It's not going to last that long. I mean, you have honeymoons and stuff like that. It's great. Um, and the first year or two may also be great. <laughs> and then you realize that your partner has a pain body. I married the wrong person. <laughs> Somebody wrote an article a few years ago in a, it might have been in the New York Times, 
why you will marry the wrong person. You, you always marry the wrong person. Well, that's the thought comes in. I made a mistake. And sometimes you did make a mistake. That's possible. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not denying that mis these mistakes do happen. But in every, sit every situation, you find the, no human being can really make you happy. So all that these relationships do when they in the initial stages of falling in love and the, the initial stages, they cover up the residual discontent that you live with when you only exist on the horizontal dimension of life. There's always in the background, there's an anxiety, there's a discontent, there's a sense of something missing, something important missing. And temporarily, a relationship can cover that up. Ah, I'm okay now. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> and this is a wonderful realization. The world is here to challenge you, and that it does that all the time. So you can verify in your own experience that that is true. And that's how we awaken to the vertical dimension, if you want to call it that, symbolized one of the meanings of the cross, which is a Christian symbol, but it already existed before, even before Christianity, the symbol of the cross. The intersection of the vertical and the horizontal dimension, that is the path, that is human destiny, is to live in both dimensions here, so that you can exist and function on this level here but are not trapped on this level there is more to you you're no longer acting as an egoic entity so the transcendence of the ego happens with the discovery with the realization of the vertical dimension have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like hey we came to play did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. When the experience a moment of pure presence, thinking subsides, and what remains is pure presence, then there's no, the ego isn't there. Without thinking, the ego isn't there. So you're free, you've transcended the ego, then it comes back, usually. Now, it does not mean that all thinking is ego, Thinking turns into ego in the complete absence of awareness. 
when there's only the stream of thinking and you're not even aware of the kinds of thoughts you're thinking because you're so identified with every thought that there's no space beyond the, the, the movement of thought. That is the unconscious state. And that is the egoic state. So you are, in, you are trapped in the stream of thinking and confuse it with who you are. Spiritually speaking, you are completely unconscious in that state. You are possessed by thought and you derive your sense of identity from that stream of thinking. And it is always a problematic identity. It makes life difficult for yourself and for others. You become a problem to yourself And by becoming a problem to yourself, you automatically become a problem to others around you. And not only around you, nowadays the problematic egos can spread their unconsciousness through technology into the world. You just go on your thing and say... (laughs) 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 And, And thousands of people will respond and say, yes, yes, you are right. Before, a very unconscious person couldn't do much. He could stand, you could, well, in London, you could go to Hyde Park Corner and stand on a box and, and shout. And that's the shout. I used to sometimes go there when I lived in London. Every Sunday, uh, people at Hyde Park Corner speak. It's an old tradition. I don't know if they still do it. They probably, but nowadays, they probably sit at home on their keyboard and reach many more people. But no matter how crazy you are, you will reach many people who will like your craziness. And so the craziness spreads. It's amplified through technology. And that is the egoic state of consciousness that humans are trapped in. They're completely identified with the stream of thinking. And then it often happens that certain thoughts can play the same role on the mental level as a virus place on the physical level. There are certain thoughts that can occupy your mind and proliferate and affect other thoughts so that your entire mind becomes possessed by one particular stream of thought, one fixed idea, for example. Say in French, idée fixe. You have a fixed idea or some obsessive way of looking at the world. It's the viral thoughts and become, and you don't know it, then you look at the world through these viral thoughts on an individual level. This is easily recognized as a mental illness. For example, let's say paranoia or paranoid schizophrenia. I had a family member who suffered from that and I was able to, a long time ago, was able to observe it, how it gradually developed, what it does to the mind, that certain thoughts take o- take over your mind, and this you have no immunity. The immunity is the awareness of of your thoughts. Without awareness, you have no immunity against viral thoughts, infectious thoughts that can possess your mind. So this family member then developed certain thoughts about the world. They were totally delusional that certain groups of people were continuously spying on her, that all people who looked in a certain way were part of this group of people. And there must have been, uh, according to this paranoid thought pattern, 
there must have been several hundred people in this world, in this city, whose, whose sole occupation was to spy, to spy on her and to follow her, not realizing the absurdity of those thoughts because being completely trapped in those thoughts. And again, it happens when there's not sufficient awareness to be aware of what kind of thoughts are arising in your mind. The awareness is that there's the freedom. Complete identification with thought is ego, ego. And it's always dysfunctional. And sometimes it's so dysfunctional it is then recognized as a mental illness. But the dysfunction is always there when you're trapped in thought. People say, I think. But most people don't think thinking happens to them. <laughs> so you need some awareness in order to even change their thinking to some extent. Awareness is required. Or to step out of thinking altogether, even more awareness is required. So you don't think thinking happens to you in the same way that your heart is beating, you don't beat your heart, your heart is doing it. It's, it's something that just happens by itself, it seems. So that's the movement of thought. And then very great danger is the infection of the human mind by collective viral thoughts that can arise in, the, in a collective. Then millions of human minds are possessed and taken over by certain thoughts. This, for example, happens when an entire collective is taken over by a certain ideology, which is a, a way of looking at the world. And then you get disastrous regimes or an entire country. You can get phenomena like national socialism. You get phenomena like uh, communism under, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Mao Zedong, what happened in China during the Cultural Revolution, when uh, millions of people got taken over by one type of thought. For example, uh, Mao Zedong, the thought was the world is divided into oppressor and oppressed. Mao Zedong had learned that from reading Western thinkers like Marx. So the entire history of the world is interpreted through these, this one thought, oppressor and oppressed. The thought takes over the, their minds, not realizing, yes, oppression, oppressor and oppressed does exist and has existed, but in only one facet of a very complex way in which societies develop and exist. There, there are many other factors, but these, the ego identifies with one thought, and once it has identified with one, this thought grows and takes over your mind. You can be very intelligent, and it can happen to you. Intelligence does not mean that there's awareness there. It can happen to a very intelligent person. And what the result of that was, for example, in, under Mao Zedong in China, just to give one example of millions of people being infected by one viral thought, since he had interpreted society in that way, he, yes, there were, was a partial truth, but that partial truth was very far from being the whole truth of, of how a society functions. 
it is far more dangerous to elevate a partial truth, which is a thought, to the whole truth than a lie. Uh, it's, e it's easier to recognize a lie, thought is a complete lie, it's easy to recognize. But a partial truth, pretending to be the whole truth, is more difficult to recognize in the absence of awareness. It cannot be recognized, it just takes over your mind. So Mao Zedong had recognized that and said all the history of China was completely wrong. It was all evil oppressor against the oppressed. We need to do away with all the old things, the old ideas, the old habits, the old things. Do away, so they started to destroy temples, Buddhist temples, Taoist temples, statues, everything destroyed. They, they ripped flowers out of the parks because beauty was associated with the oppressors, the bourgeoisie. Millions died, massacres happened. Teachers and university professors were murdered by their students to the thousands. The worst, probably the worst history, the worst period in Chinese history. So he had recognized, yes, absence of wisdom which comes through awareness. He had recognized that there was something that was holding China back because China had fallen behind in technology and, um, and science which had developed quickly in the West through industrial revolution and so on. So he saw there were old patterns that people were still trapped, the partial truth. But then the partial truth was assumed to be the, the whole truth. And then, you know the famous saying, throwing out the baby with the bathwater. That's what he did. It's a weird saying. It means you want to get rid of what needs to be gotten rid of, which is the dirty bathwater, but the precious thing that's there, the baby, you don't want to throw that out. Uh, so he destructed a Chinese a highly developed civilization, Buddhism, Taoism, Confucianism, a highly developed spiritual civilization. Let's destroy it. So, uh, millions died. A period of complete collective insanity. So this is um, what can happen when viral thought infects the human mind. And so we, we need to have immunity, otherwise it could happen to you, it can happen even more easily nowadays because everybody is connected to the to the internet and, and social media devices where things can spread much more quickly, like uh, real, like, like a virus, mental viruses. Be careful with what, whenever you interact, be aware, be aware of thoughts. Don't identify with the movement of thought. And I can only tell you that because you're already at a point where you don't have to identify. There are still millions of people, when I say to them, don't identify with thought, they would think, are you crazy? What are you talking about? <laughs> identify with thought. So, what the world needs, therefore, is not more knowledge in, the convention, in conventional terms. The, the world does not need more knowledge. It does not need more intelligence, that's the IQ kind of intelligence, conceptual intelligence. The world needs something deeper to be saved, and we could call that wisdom. Wisdom arises from the non-conceptual intelligence. 
That's where wisdom arises. Then we, can, we are able to use our minds without the mind becoming destructive and without the mind taking us over. So it is vital for us now to develop wisdom and the, the wisdom is inseparable from awareness. The awareness, the presence that is non-conceptual knowing so that you have the two. You are able to use concepts and thoughts but you are not used by concepts and thoughts. That's the vital difference and it's an enormous difference. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. You're not used anymore by thoughts because everything is energy. Every thought is a thought form in your consciousness. It arises. It's a little, it's a little entity. Every thought is not me. <laughs> and, 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 and it wants to grow in your mind. That's, okay, I, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, <laughs> and then you have another thought that says, go away, I don't want you. <laughs> uh, so the, that's thought, these are thought forms that, that in the absence of awareness, they begin to use you. They, they're like parasites, psychic parasites. In the, in the absence of awareness, thought c can become, have the function of a psychic parasite that just uses you to grow. And then, you, and then, then it can make you do crazy things. And, and you can induce the craziest beliefs that has nothing to do with reality anymore, but it's the thought is, that's how it is. Two and two is five. <laughs> I saw someone who was, uh, a few weeks ago, who had a T-shirt that said two plus two equals four. And I was told, when I asked him, he said, it's a revolutionary statement. <laughs> In other words, in a crazy world, reality is a revolutionary statement. So the danger then, being used by thought and then moving into complete irrationality, complete craziness, and that creates havoc in your personal life, if it's a personal thought, or collectively happening to millions of people. The only thing that provides immunity against that is awareness, presence. So that you can be, you can know what's going on in your mind and you do not need to believe in every thought that comes into your head. You can be there as the observer 
of your mind as a witness, like a guardian. You say, oh, yeah, that's a weird thought. <laughs> so what happens then in a deeper sense, the, in the unconscious state, there's complete identification of consciousness with thought. Thought is a form that consciousness takes. So here you have the complete identification your consciousness is continuously being transformed into thoughts. And then the awakening happens when there's a realization that you are not your thoughts. You begin to realize that essentially you are the awareness behind your thoughts. You are the consciousness. So here are the thoughts and then you, there's a stepping back one could say. You awaken, there's a presence. And here are your thoughts. And then from here, the thoughts can be observed. It, they, they still use consciousness, but not all of it. You reclaim consciousness from thought. That is the process of evolution of, of human consciousness at this present time. You need to reclaim consciousness from thought because consciousness has been trapped in thought for a long, long, long time that has led to the development of the human ego. Conscience has been trapped in thought for a long time. Now you, you, you realize that it is possible to reclaim consciousness from thought. And then you realize, yes, consciousness, this is the I am, the beingness, the presence, the vertical dimension. And here's the thoughts that are happening in your mind. Again, they're not separate because the thoughts still use consciousness, but, but not all of it anymore. They, do, they don't use all of it anymore. Some of it remains in its unconditioned state. That is, so you have reclaimed, you are reclaiming consciousness from thought. And that is the awakening. Then you begin to live in such a way that you're never completely trapped in the movement of thought again, or perhaps initially it can still happen occasionally, you revert back into it, but then quickly you come back out of it again. Then you are conscious and you can use thought, but no, no longer used by it. And then thought is actually a good thing. There's no longer self-seeking in thought. You're not seeking yourself in thought. But thought can be used as a wonderful tool for creating things. Uh, it's very powerful. But when there's complete identification, it, it, it's egoic thought. And then it still can create things, but most of the things it creates are lead to suffering. Not good. And there you have, this is the arising of wisdom. Wisdom is when some of your consciousness is no longer trapped in thought. And then thought can function beautifully. And that is the arising of wisdom. And that is what's happening to us here. It's vitally important. It's an enormous thing. It's an enormous evolutionary step in human consciousness, this, this separation of thought and, and consciousness. And again, I'm not talking about a duality. There's no duality because there's still only the one consciousness and some of it 
this transformed into thought and also sense perceptions and some of it is, is realized in its unconditioned state and there you are and that is also can be described as the balance between being and doing that is also another way of putting it the primordial doing is the doing of thinking that thinking is a continuous doing so you're able to think this is the doing but you, you're aware of being self-awareness being being and doing are in, then in balance and that is of vital importance in your life you are here in order to go through this transition where being and doing become into balance and that is an evolutionary step in human consciousness that is enormous and it's enormous that, that awakening that's why we're here balance between being and doing not I know not everybody is totally balanced between being and doing nobody is you can't be well very few we are totally in the middle where you have you, you're good at doing, but yeah, you, you never lose your rootedness in being. I'm not perfectly balanced, I must admit. You might guess where I'm more in the being or doing. <laughs> as far as it, the, the spiritual teaching goes, I'm good at doing, if you can call that doing, but that doing is in the service of being, so I don't know if that counts. <laughs> So when doing is in the service of being, I'm good at doing. But otherwise, I must admit, I'm not that great at doing. And many things in my daily life that should be, I should be doing, I don't do them. Uh, uh, <laughs> because I'm, I'm more in the being dimension than the doing dimension, much, much more. But not, I'm not totally incapable of doing, not totally, no, no, I can't. Uh, <laughs> and there may be others who are much more in the doing dimension. They're always active, creating something new, without losing their connectedness with the being dimension. So they still have this in the background, they have this sense of connectedness with being. And again, there is a danger in this dance, between being and doing, there is a danger that you could go one extreme or the other and lose yourself again in doing. Most of the world that we know here is obviously lost in the doing dimension with no awareness of the other dimension. So it would probably be easier for contemporary humans to get lost again, even as you are awakening, there is a danger as you go back into your daily life, there's a danger that you could lose yourself again in the, in the doing and everything. And you get completely uprooted again into um, reactive and anxious and stressed. What's, and what's the next thing I have to do now? Oh God, I can't stand it. That could happen, but then when you begin to suffer, and, uh, oh, Okay, let's come back to the present moment. And then the thought comes, no, I can't do it now. (laughs) 
Uh, but then you remember that you can, because it's easy. You're breathing. No, not now, I don't have time. <laughs> and you do it anyway, because you're, not, you're observing the thought that says you can't do it, so awareness has returned. You're observing the thought that tells you there's no point in being spiritual, you have too much on your plate now. And then you look at the thought there, okay, there's the thought, but it's, it's not a correct thought, it's a lie. But that's fine, that thought does that sometimes. Oh. And then of course another is uh, you could lose yourself in being too, that's possible. I was there for a little while, in the early, um, a long time ago, almost lost in being, not totally. I could still get up and feed myself and even look for a job here and there. During that time period, I had weird temporary jobs here and there, lasting a few days at a time. So the being lost in being would be... Um, it can be very beautiful going to what's the point in doing anything at all? <laughs> the entire world is illusory anyway. <laughs> I have transcended all doing. <laughs> can you give me some food, please? The world challenges you. It's not the way to completely deny the world. The world has a function and an important purpose. If you completely deny the world, then there's a heavy price to pay too. And the world won't even allow you to do that. It will challenge you. And the challenge could be hunger. Now I have to do something because we're not in India. They're not feeding me. They don't recognize that I'm a holy man and they're not feeding me. <laughs> <clears throat> there's a real possibility if you were in India in totally immersed in being people would come and feed you because it is a long tradition of holy men and women who are completely immersed in being that is a tradition going back thousands of years they've always been there and, and many by the way pretend to be immersed in they just don't want, they just don't want to do any work but that's another <laughs> That's another story. But there are real ones, and they are immersed in being, and people come and offer food. But go to New York or wherever, it won't happen. They won't offer you any food. Probably not. So the, the dance between the, these two dimensions, and again, vitally important, the disidentification from the stream of thinking, reclaiming consciousness, from the mind, the thinking mind. But the thinking mind, there's still more than enough left for the thinking mind to operate. And not only that, the thinking mind is then can derive intelligence, inspiration from the unconditioned consciousness, the awareness, and this can flow into thinking and transform the way in which the thinking mind functions. It then functions in a more effective way, sometimes called higher intelligence, 
I don't like the word higher so much because then you have to go. Uh, I prefer to call it deeper, the, the deeper or greater intelligence. The, can then the thinking mind can do inspired and inspiring and very creative things when you have there's the unconditioned consciousness and the thinking mind then the thinking mind can derive inspiration and creative power from the unconditioned consciousness which is a much higher intelligence than the thinking mind itself the thinking mind is a borrowed intelligence from the they're not separate but I'm just talking about as if it were, they were separate it's a borrowed intelligence from, from unconditioned consciousness and that's how creativity can happen. You can have creative thoughts. You can have creative insights, intuitions, inspiration to suddenly you know what you want to do. And it, it comes from there because the, you have now accessed the place where inspiration arises and wisdom to be able to think clearly without being taken over by one or two viral thoughts. So to continue to have the ability to think clearly and rationally without your thought processes being infected by the ego, the human ego. So the, all this happens, as, this, as the separation happens, you become a more effective and powerful human being. It affects even how you conduct your life on the horizontal level of existence. It, it changes that also. It's so incredibly important and amazing that we live in this age where this has become possible for fairly large numbers of people, this shift in consciousness. Yes, statistically or whatever speaking, it's a still a small percentage of the totality of humanity, but that doesn't matter. It's, it is happening. And it coincides as these decisive transitional periods always coincide with moments of critical time periods, dangerous and critical time periods that we live in collectively. They're, they go together. On a smaller scale, in the 60s and 70s, in a, on a much smaller scale, there was like a preliminary awakening. It started in the United States, especially California, and it coincided with the craziness of the Vietnam War. So you had the two coming together. There was a, there's a movement of awakening. So that's where Ram Dass started, and suddenly wisdom teachings were coming in from the East. There was a rediscovery of spirituality and so on. Those were amazing times. And then, of course, the ego reasserted itself after a while. But there may be some of you left who were already part of that. I was alive already at that time, but I was too much of an outsider. I wasn't even part of the outsider group of the hippies that were... <laughs> Even I was so much enough, I didn't fit in with any group. Uh, so would have been nice to have been a hippie, hippie for a while, <laughs> and hanging out. <laughs> I greet and salute all former hippies who are present here today. <laughs> 
you did a great job and you survived because the hippie movement went through some deterioration towards the end. Um, unfortunately, maybe too many drugs, I don't know, but it had an important function. It had an important function in, in the evolution of consciousness. But, but what ha what's happening now is even deeper, although it may not be apparent on the surface, especially if you watch mainstream sources of information, then everything looks pretty bleak. But that's, that's not the whole story at all. Not at all. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince. Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll be inviting everyone over. From barbecues to girls' night, the kids can even host their friends. Whoa, it smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy, the way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick.